2: 20 minutes a day, 365 days a year. This is the Pack a Day podcast.
1: Welcome in everybody to the Saturday edition of the Pack a Day podcast. I will be your host today, Eli Berkovitz, here with our uh, draft expert, Rob Rigger, who has joined us now for at least with me for the third consecutive year. Uh, doing our draft previews every single week leading up to the draft. Our other partner in crime, Matt Freilich, is not able to join us today, but we will get through it and uh, have a good discussion today. We are going to be covering the interior offensive lineman in this year's draft, a position that some people may not see as a need on the Packers. I guess we're going to get into it uh, as we go along here. But, Rob, before we do, uh, how you doing? How you feeling six days out from the draft?
2: I'm starting to get excited. I'm almost like that kid, uh, you know, kind of gearing up about the 20th of, of December yeah. and it's uh, cl- close to Christmas. And, you know, I'm kind of in that mode where I, you know, there's so much uncertainty going on. We don't know what's going on with Aaron Rodgers, which is kind of you know, the, it's a huge, it's a huge elephant in the room. You know, we don't know if uh, the Packers are going to be picking a couple times in round two, just that once in round two, maybe even three times in round two. So I think that. As far as needs go, I feel like the interior, in my opinion, I think that there is some work to do on the interior line. I don't necessarily think that Josh Myers should feel that comfortable in his role as a starting center. So that could be something that we that the Packers would take a look at. I feel like John Runyon Jr. is a solid player, and obviously Elton Jenkins is a solid player. But at the end of the day, the Packers have said many times, that they're looking for the five best linemen and get them on the field. So there are some talented players amongst this group. And it's just one of those things where I probably feel like the Packers shouldn't address this too soon in the draft, but you really never know. I mean, <laughs> yeah. there, there's been so many things that have been kind of out of left field with this uh, current regime that you never you never really can tell. So uh, I don't know what your thoughts are on it, Eli.
1: Yeah, uh, I do agree with you that I think just looking at it on paper, you would not expect them to address the interior line too early in this draft. And I think we're both discussing basically day one and day two after then more of a wild card. But like you said, trying to predict Brian Goodenkunst draft is, it's pretty impossible. He will <laughs> go left when you think he's going right. He's in a zig when you think he's in a zag. You never really know. And yeah, I guess before we got into the guys and you kind of touched on it a bit is just looking at the actual need for the Packers at interior line and you hit it right where I was going to go. I think the clear question mark in the interior is center Josh Myers. Obviously, they used a second round pick on him. What was it? Two years ago. Um, They were yeah, right. Yeah, two years ago. And they were, you know, out of Ohio State, basically, you know, a Corey Lindsley replacement and kind of hoping he was going to be the next Corey Lindsley. And while I wouldn't say it's been, you know, some kind of disaster, and it's like he can't be on the field, but I well, he definitely has not, you know, been Corey Lindsley level, and you could make the argument he hasn't even lived up to his second round price tag in general. So I guess center is the position, I think, that if any is to be addressed in the top three rounds, it should be center, not guard, in my opinion. Because like you said, John Runyon, really solid player, not necessarily a pro bowler, but reliable, solid guy. And then Elton at left, ha- left guard, you know how good he is. So again, uh, interior offensive line, I, I think the biggest need is going to be at center. But uh, just looking at this class, Rob, is there anyone to you that like sticks out, whether it's at center or guard that, you know, you just said you don't think it's a huge need, but if they went after this guy, because I know, let's say Tyler Lindemann, right? Lindemann, you were a big fan yeah. of how last was? year. Um, so I, I know probably not anyone of that level, but anyone that you re- really excites you that if they took, you would be like, all right, I didn't really think it was a need, but I don't mind that pick because he's a great player.
2: There, there is actually at center, uh, Joe Tipman out of Wisconsin. And obviously Wisconsin has a long, rich history of developing offensive linemen. And he's kind of that guy that's that's about as steady as it comes, as it comes uh, as, as in terms of his talent, his ability, his experience, I like him a lot as a first round pick. However, it would have to, in my mind, be something that the Packers might, if they do see what I'm kind of thinking right now is that the Packers could potentially, let's just pretend the chips fall the way that it's kind of gearing towards is that the Packers would pick up an additional second round pick from the Jets this year. The possibility of packaging those two second rounders to move up back into the first round you know, I said it a couple times. You know that the Packers want a first-round pick. The Jets don't want to give up a first-round pick, but maybe if they get a second-round pick and the Packers can package that up to another first-round pick, that could potentially get them up there. So a guy like Joe Tippmann, um, I feel, is, is a first-round talent. But other than him, and any other guy, as far as like you know interior line goes, I guess it comes down to whether we think that Peter Skoransky is a guard or a tackle.
1: Yeah. I have and seen that's, some talk. I know you might transfer switch, uh, switch to guard in the NFL.
2: Right. So, so that's kind of the X factor there is that, um, and, and the biggest thing with him is that he only has 32 inch arms and I don't know. It kind of sounds to me a little bit like the quarterback. Uh, how big is your hand type of <laughs> type of thing yeah. where people thought that Joe Burrow was going to be terrible because he had smaller hands but obviously, that hasn't been the case, and uh, he's probably going to sign the richest contract in NFL history in the next couple yeah. of weeks. So, uh, obviously, it doesn't uh, held him back too much. But it, to me, arm length, while a thing, I don't know if you're going to necessarily not draft a guy because you say, well, you know, your arms are one inches, a one <laughs> inch too short, or
1: you know what I'm saying? Yeah, totally. No, I, I agree. I mean, we're seeing all the Skaronski hype. Mostly in the top 10, if not, let's say the top 12. So, if he was there at 15, knowing the Packers, I think they might have a hard time passing on that kind of value on getting a potentially premier offensive lineman, whether that's a tackle or guard. But I guess in general, I think it's hard, unless you know you're getting, you know, a Quinton Nelson or something incredible to draft interior O line in the first round. At least for me, maybe, you know, I'm not uh, a football purist enough, uh, but I think it's a little bit rich to go in that range. But someone like Tittman, who actually, by the way, like of all the guys I watched, probably stuck out to me the most. And it's funny that you mentioned him of all the people, because, I mean, at 6'6", 320 pounds, he moves really, really well. And I think his strongest attribute is his ability to get to the edge, pull on outside runs. And really get out there and get in front of a running back, which, again, at his size, you would not really expect. And he's also great in pass protection. Only gave up one sack and five pressures all of last season. And it just, he just seems like someone who, high football IQ, consistently reliable at the position. So I know he is, I feel like he probably won't make it to their second round picks in the 40s. So I know that's why you brought up the potential trade. But, yeah, I guess looking at, you know, what they end up getting from the Jets, whether it's one second round pick, maybe even two, it could give them a lot more flexibility to move up if they really thought center was a huge need and they wanted to move on from Josh Myers. But looking at the guard position, I thought uh, Esteban or Steve Avila, however uh, you go about uh, (laughs) calling him, because I've seen both, but he looks, I mean, really just one of the most dominant people at least that in the interior line that I've watched this week preparing for this uh, show, zero sacks all of 2022. He's just, he just, the defensive tackles run into him and it's like they're literally running into a wall. He's just shoving guys left and right with ease. Like you don't even see him putting so much of his body into it. It's just like his arms are so strong. He's throwing guys left and right. And I also think, again, similar to Titman at six, I mean, he's shorter at six, three, three but again, very big, especially for guard. To be that big, but he he moves he moves well. Like I think I think that's honestly like the new age of offensive lineman. Like you need to be able to move on these outside runs, on screen passes, all that kind of stuff. The huge gigantic offensive lineman that can't get three yards downfield, I feel like just is not much of a thing anymore. Um, I don't know if you've noticed that, but <clears throat> yeah, I think for guard, like if you're looking at guard. Uh, again, I don't think at 15, but someone that I think really stood out to me was uh, Steve Avila. Did you have a chance to check him out? Of course, yeah. So the the thing that
2: really stood out about him is that when you look at his his experience as an offensive lineman, and this kind of goes to the way that Brian Gutekunst has been drafting, is that he actually started more games at center than he did at either of the guard positions. So he started in his career 17 games at center. 15 games at left guard, two games at right tackle, and one game at right guard. So when you look at versatility as a player, he checks off all the boxes there. And Sounds believe like it not, Exactly. No, he's a he's a guy. Now this guy's gigantic. Okay, that's the other thing is that he's 332 pounds. He weighed in at and but he's surprisingly nimble. <laughs> like when yeah. you when you when you watch him play, he does not he carries his weight well. It's forty. I mean, not not that a, an, an interior offensive lineman is ever going to run forty yards, but I mean, five point two one for a guy that big is pretty That's spectacular. If if, yeah. if 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 we're being honest, um, his short shuttle of four seven four. So he's a guy that really stood out to me as a guy who's very very powerful, but he's just he's not just a road grader. He really has um kind of that knack for like you had mentioned. Um, you know, pull. Uh, you know, maybe not a long pull, but maybe a short pull, and getting that second level. So, um, that's a great, that's a great call, Eli, uh, because he was probably, if you don't count Scarancy as a guard, he was my favorite guy out of out of those guys.
1: Yeah, no, he just uh, his size and strength is what really like within within five minutes of watching him, like yo, this guy is crazy, crazy strong. Like you just don't see it very often. So. Yeah, someone and and I love the fact that you brought up that he also played at center because as I mentioned earlier, I do see center as a bigger need than guard. And like Elton Jenkins, you know, if if you need it and you and you see him as a center, or you see him as either, but you want him at center, you know that you could put him there and trust him there, and that's really great. And speaking of center, I think it would be almost misjustice to not bring up Luke Weipler out of Ohio State, considering the last two centers. Yeah for the Packers have come out of Ohio State. I mean, it's almost scary when you look at the similar similarities between him yeah. and Corey Lindsley, both 6'3", both about 300 pounds. Josh Myers, a little bit taller, about one or two inches taller, a little bit heavier, but so many similar similarities across all three of the way those three guys played. So I'm just curious, is that just like low-hanging fruit for a Packer fan to look at Weipler, or do you think maybe there's some merit that they just love Ohio State centers? And maybe Myers didn't work out as well as they like, but they're going to go and try that again.
2: Yeah, I mean, he just seemed to me, and this is, you know, I mean, the good thing about him is that he is pretty young. He's only twenty one years old. And he's only a he's a thirty year uh, player coming out. But I mean, I see some pretty some limitations with him. Um, he's not really that tall, six two. He's not mm-hmm. really that big, three barely three hundred pounds, yeah, barely. Uh, soaking wet. So I mean. I don't know. Like, like I don't know where I'd look to, to have him. Maybe fifth round, if if maybe he's still sitting there in the fifth round. But you also have to see that, you know, is he going to be better than Josh Myers? Because, I mean, really when it comes down to it, you're looking for guys that are going to replace existing guys. Yeah. So I, I don't see him. I mean, out of the guys that are the centers of this draft specifically, um, Tipman and the John Michael Schmitz out of Minnesota are the two guys that that stood out to me. Yeah. As kind of those nasty um just guys with a ton of experience that can definitely step in from day one and be your, a quality starter on, on every team. Although Schmitz um, has some limitations too. I mean, I really liked him as a player, but he's 24 years old, so that yeah. could work against him. Yeah. Um But, but for, for me, those are the only two. I mean, there's a couple other guys, you know, the guy from Arkansas, um I forgot his name, Stromberg, uh, yeah. he, he's but other than that, I feel like this center class is just blah. <laughs> to be yeah, honest, yeah. If I'm perfectly honest,
1: no, yeah, I agree. It's it's not a very exciting class. But that was actually the next guy I wanted to get to was John Michael Schmitz. Yep. Uh, definitely solid player, and it's funny. The first two things I wrote down were undersized a bit, and then also like tough guy, like in your face, hard nose kind of football, which is nice, and you love to see out of your offensive lineman, especially at center like someone who thrives off contact, physicality, likes to get, you know, just get in the dirt, like really what you would want out of your center. But it's also true. I mean, he's five, he's taken snaps in five seasons um, over at Minnesota. Yeah. At a four-year starter, almost 2,500 snaps in college. So that's a lot. And that's good. I mean, you want to get experience on your belt, but like you mentioned, his age, you know, never a bad idea to bring in younger guys that you know can be there for a while. So, I agree, though. In general, when it comes to the center position, I feel like once you get past Tipman and Michael Schmitz, you're basically waiting until mid to late day three, and then you're going to kind of see what's left on the board. But I was actually I was curious about your opinion on Osiris Torrance out of Florida.
2: <laughs> okay, <laughs> it's wow. it's it's you know what's kind of interesting about about Torrance is that if. I was a fan of a team other than the Packers. Okay, so if we're we're doing this exact same show, but we're doing it for say the Jacksonville Jaguars or or some other team out there, yeah, I would be pounding the table for Torrance. I would because I feel like his power, yeah, is insane. That he is a guy who moves people out of the way. Now that does that's not to say that the Packers couldn't find a place for him, but I just feel like where he's probably going to go is not something we're really looking for. You know, we're kind of looking for those zone blocking uh, technique players. Um, He's not real fast. He's not real quick, but man, he is a powerful powerful player. If we were to say the Baltimore Ravens would be a perfect fit for him where he can just maul people out of the way. Yeah. And and that's it that was my opinion on him. I mean, he's a guy that played at Louisiana. I believe it was for 4 years and then he transferred to Florida last year. And there was no drop off even though the competition got got better. It seemed like he improved. I'm looking at him at probably as a late first round pick for an offensive guard which is it really that popular? Um, I don't know. What, what were your thoughts on him? Because that was kind of what I, what stood out to me. I just don't see him as a fit for the Packers, but, man, he's going to be a stud.
1: Yeah. No, I, it, again, the first thing I wrote down was freakish strength because that's the first thing you notice. I mean, the guy is incredibly, incredibly strong. He's like a, a brick wall, didn't allow a single sack in 2022, only eight pressures, just a huge six five around 330, I mean, just a massive, massive man who will put you in the dirt and just loves to get physical with you. And, you know, I was watching him and I thought for a minute that I thought he was getting his hands under linemen's pads, like almost a bit too much, where it almost looked like a hold. But he wasn't, he didn't have a single penalty the entire season. So I guess wow. I don't know what I'm talking about, but that's impressive for any offensive lineman to go a full season without a penalty. That means you're just high football IQ. You know what you're doing out there, it's a real experience kind of pro. In college, you know, false false start, boom, you're done. So not have a single yeah. one of those. That's really impressive. And But like you said, I just don't think you need to be drafting a guard at 15 considering the state of your guard position right now. And then I don't see him being there in the second round. So I agree that I don't know if he's necessarily going to end up on the Packers, but I, I don't see any way that this guy is not a Pro Bowl NFL lineman. He just looks he looks the part, Every every part of it.
0: Just go to indeed.com slash blue wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about indeed on this podcast. That's indeed.com slash blue wire terms and conditions apply. Need to hire you need indeed.
2: I I agree. Like when you watch him and and I was, I was pleasantly surprised when I was watching his tape and it just always seemed like whenever Florida needed a yard or needed something, uh, they're running right behind him. There was, there was, no delay on that whatsoever. He got he plugged right into that offensive line at Florida, even though he's only one year there. But he was solid as a as a player and just just a dynamic, powerful player. And kind of an interesting tidbit about him, Eli, is that he in high school weighed over four hundred pounds. Oh wow! And one of his coaches said, "Look, man, like like you're you're literally gonna die. Like you're, you're gonna you're you're not gonna make." college unless you change. And he completely changed around his nutrition, everything like his, his weight room habits. And he got himself to the point where, uh, I mean, a lot of people think that 330 pounds is, is heavy and obviously it is. But when you consider that he lost almost a hundred pounds to get to that, that shows me at least that he has the discipline and the desire to be successful. And that's something that you look for in a pro that he's not just a, a, you know, for lack of a better word, a, a big fat guy. He's, yeah. he's the guy who, you know, has worked at it his whole life. And I, I'm, I guarantee you, you know, I've never seen his parents, but um, I'm, I'm guessing that genetics uh, yeah. were, were, were kind of against him growing up. And he was yeah. probably always that fat kid and people probably made fun of him all the time. And I'm speculating a little bit here, but, um, but then he made that conscious decision that he wanted to make something out of himself and become successful and that's just a tribute to him and his work ethic and his desire. So i am just, you know, I, I can't say enough good things about this guy. I think that he's gonna be fantastic. And had the Packers maybe been in a different spot, then I think that he'd be a really nice pick up for them. I'm just I'm just not seeing it because I feel like we have so many other needs in like the first round and second round that I, yeah. I just feel like uh He's going to be one of those guys that we said, yep, told you so. And <laughs> you know what I'm saying?
1: Yeah, no, I totally agree. And I, I love that uh, point you brought up about him. Anytime you see a guy who, whether it's coming out of college or even once from the NFL, but you kind of go your whole life going one way and then you realize, all right, I got to make this change. I got to get serious about it. And to see whether or not that person makes that change and gets serious, it is definitely right. like it's a maturity factor where you see, all right, this guy's serious about what he's doing. He's not just out here to get you know a paycheck. He wants to be great. He wants to do it. So that is great to see. Uh, another guy that caught my eye at the guard position was Emil Echior. I hope I'm pronouncing yeah. that correctly. Uh, Emil Echior Jr. out of Alabama. Just another solid-looking, like, physical, physical guy. A lot of experience. And I thought very good in pass protection especially, but also could pull and get to the second level when it came to runs. So that was another guy that I thought – Later on, not too late in the draft, but later on, the Packers could potentially look at. I didn't see a ton of like day three. You know, the Packers are good at finding these diamonds in the rough offensive linemen on day three. I won't claim to be that guy who's going to be able to, you know, watch a bunch of offensive line and be like this guy who's, you know, the 150th ranked guy is going to be great. There are guys that showed better or worse and uh, Emil Echior definitely stood out to me. Uh, did you have a chance to watch him or any other day three kind of guys that you think could be on the Packers radar or you want to be on the Packers radar?
2: I mean, Eckier was a was a top recruit coming into Alabama and obviously um he was kind of a fixture at that right guard position. I would say that um the one thing working against him is that he's he doesn't seem to be very versatile. Um he's been a right guard, which I mean it's not his fault. That's yeah. maybe where he he thrived, but uh, he played right guard, three-year starter at Alabama, so obviously he was getting coached uh, well. He it, it looks like he only missed one game in his in his career as a three-year starter. So you know if you are looking at kind of a guy that um, you could bring in in maybe that round four, round five range mm-hmm. that ends up potentially being a starter. I mean, we don't even know what's going to happen. I mean, kind of you know talking about the Packers specifically, if for some reason David Bakhtiari does not come back after this year, it could be very feasible. If we don't address that position early this year, we could see Elton Jenkins moving back out to a tackle. Yeah. he did, He's done it before. So if that were to be the case, then maybe guard would be a, a perfect fit. Putting a guy like uh a, a Ikir there. The other guy that really stood out to me as a, uh, I guess potential sleeper would be the guy Voorhees out of uh USC. Yeah. Now, now this would be another case where we wouldn't be drafting him for now, but we'd be drafting him for next year. He actually tore his um his ACL at the combine. Yeah, brutal. And you know, you feel you feel bad for the kid, but I, I would say that you know in, in typical you know, guard fashion. Yeah. He actually finished up the the bench press after he had tore his ACL. Yeah. so he, did, he didn't he, he didn't leave. He wanted he to. He
1: finished first at the in the end with the uh, with the bench press or one of the he, top. He did. Yeah.
2: So so I mean, you look at a guy like him, and he said, you know, that's a guy that I want on my football team. I mean, yeah. I mean, point point himself. blank. Um, he's also a guy that started games at both guard positions and a tackle in his career. He's a five-year starter from USC. So, um, he's a guy at 38 on the bench press. So, um, he has really good size. He's six-six-three, ten. 3'10 Uh, he can move, um, quite a bit. Uh, he looks very quick out of his stance. So he's one of those guys that maybe you could stash for a year and then mm-hmm. have him come in and be a solid contributor next year because, uh, you know, the Packers are going to have David Bakhtiari this year, but I, yeah. I think that it's pretty much a, I don't know, one of the worst kept secrets ever is that they're, they're probably going to be looking to move on after, after this coming year.
1: Yeah, that would not surprise me um, at all. And that's why I'm I'm happy. Now, really, in the beginning when we were talking about the general need um, I wanted to get to that and honestly it just slipped my mind, but yeah, Bakhtiari has gone. Either, you know, we're talking about drafting a left tackle either next year or who knows, potentially this year, definitely possible, or sliding out and back out to left tackle. And then for anyone making the argument that tackle is a big need this year, you could basically shift that argument to guard, maybe value it a little less because of the positional value. But either way, if, in, if, whoever, if whoever's mine, David Bakhtiari, is definitely gone next year, left tackle definitely needs to be addressed. It really could go either way. It could be Elton, or you could go and draft someone. Uh, I guess it would probably be best to keep Elton a left guard if you could, but I would not be opposed to seeing him move out to tackle if you were getting a great guard either this year or next. But that's that's essentially when it comes at least to the interior line, as we mentioned earlier in the show, not a super deep class. Another, game, another name uh, late in the draft that stood out to me that I got to see a bit of was Antonio Mafi. Just thought he was really, really okay. physical and yeah, just solid, just solid there for um sorry, why am I blanking for UCLA? So that's just another guy that again come day three could be a name to look out for.
2: Yeah, you know what's funny, Eli, so I, I have to give you some props on this because um, I would say that for the most part, that interior offensive line probably isn't the sexiest position, and it's definitely not something that the Packers are necessarily looking to address. Yeah. But um, you're digging pretty deep here, man. I'm mean, I'm impressed. I'm impressed with a, a consummate professional. Well, um, yeah, I, mean,
1: I just uh, I like with these when the, these positions that you know are probably not going to go too early. I almost focus more at the end because I feel like there's a better chance those guys end up on the team.
2: Yeah, I mean, I try to look at all those guys. Uh, there, There is a name that I want to just throw out there uh, that that later in the draft is a guy named M- McClendon Curtis out of uh, Chattanooga. Is a guy that I, um, for the people that don't know, I, I write for a draft guide as well, and I cover sleepers from smaller schools. So he mm-hmm. was one of the guys that I actually studied uh, a lot. So I was watching a bunch of his film and a bunch of his tape and just watching him at the Combine. I felt that he looked really good. Um, his name is McClendon Curtis out of Chattanooga. I would not be surprised to see that he becomes a successful player. Um, he's a little old at 23, but it seems like these days, a lot of these guys are coming out a lot older just because of the COVID year that they kind of lost. Yeah. So there, it's almost seeming like guys that, you know, it typically would come out 22, 21, 22, or now like 22, 23. So it's almost like it's a year later. So, um, that's a guy to keep an eye on is, um, McClendon Curtis out of Chattanooga, um, I really liked him a lot, and it, we didn't really talk about Cody Mock at all.
1: Yeah, well, I, I mean, I'm seeing him mostly looked at as a tackle, but I know that he has that kind of versatility. So, what? Uh, well, I think I think Packers fans are pretty high on on Cody Mock, so what are your thoughts on him? Yeah, I feel like he's a guy that can play
2: all along the offensive line, so kind of he fits into that mold that the Packers are looking for. Uh, he's a very, very experienced player. He has, believe it or not, a lot, a lot of foot quickness, Not so much fast. Actually, he is pretty fast too. But I mean, I I think that overall his foot quickness Mm -hmm. uh, sets him apart. And what also is his technique for the offensive line lovers out there, a lot of times you want to look at technique. Um, You know, how are they? How is their hand positioning? How are they moving? How are they? How's their anchor? Those type of things. You can tell that Cody Mock has been coached very well in his Mm -hmm. life. And uh I love the fact that he doesn't have two front teeth and had opportunities okay. to get them fixed and decided not to. So that if that doesn't scream offense interior okay. offensive line, I don't know it does.
1: Yeah, no, I noticed that and I was like, yeah, no, that's that was a choice. He made that decision and I respect it. Um, yeah, so that's another name definitely to look out for. I would say probably more on day two for Cody Mock as opposed to day three. But as we wrap up here, Rob, with our interior alignment show, um, I guess, well, we're not going to speak again until after the first round of the draft. So as we wrap up, I guess, you know, I got to know what, as of Saturday, or I should say Friday, what is your prediction, 15th overall, if that's where they pick for you? Man, so
2: I I hate to say this, and and I'm going to hate this coming out of my mouth, but when you look at past history, so... Brian Gutekunst has picked seven first round picks in his five years. So two years he had two picks. And six of those picks have been defensive players, and one of them was Jordan Love. Yeah. So as much as I want them to potentially take a guy like Jackson Smith Najigba or Paris Johnston or uh you know a couple of the other offensive linemen, Broderick Jones is a is a guy, maybe even Skaronsky. I, I think they're picking Miles Murphy. Like if I if, if I had a gun to my, if somebody had a gun to my head and said who the Packers picking, I think they're taking Lucas Van Ness or Miles Murphy to address yeah. that edge rusher position, knowing that Rashawn Gary's uh, not going to be back until probably mid season. And that this could potentially be Preston Smith's last season on the team. Yeah. And, and, I, and I don't want them to do that. You know, I think that we've talked about it before. We've kind of tweeted back and forth about it is I just feel like we've, we've spent enough draft capital on the defense with our high picks and they just have to make it work. Uh, You know, the coaching has to be better. The players need to step up. Uh, There has to be one of those, you know, you know, very volatile meetings where it says, guys, you're first round picks. You have talent. You need to start showing out right now, uh, this year. And, you know, I I feel like they can take the step up because obviously you have physical talent to be able to be a first round pick. So from a, what I want standpoint I feel like I want them to pick the heir apparent to David Bakhtiari. I want them to pick uh, a wide receiver, but I just, I don't know. Like it's something about the way that Goody picks is that he's going to look at Miles Murphy. He's going to see that athletic score and he's not going to be able to resist and that could potentially be the pick. So what are your thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm essentially right with you in almost every single way. Like I, I totally agree. The defense at a certain point, you need to succeed with what you have, and it's not 2016, which is what you have is, you know, Ladarius Gunter or whatever it is. It's like you have first-round picks. You have guys be paid money in free agency, which, I mean, was at this point, well, no, Campbell and Razul already were just a couple of years ago, but the Packers don't sign anyone on offense, and almost anyone ever, but if it has, it's all been defensive, and any most of their extensions on the defensive side, like you just mentioned, six of the seven uh, first round picks defensive side of the ball at what point are you going to actually succeed with all that investment on defense it's honestly it's it really makes the entire team look pretty bad like it's I mean,
2: no- I mean, honestly Eli like just uh you know if you do the math here so they have the, the six six this is within the last 5 years they've they've drafted six people in the first round on defense you add Kenny Clark to that who was before that but he's also a first round pick you add high price free agents, Devondre Campbell, Rasul Douglas, and Preston Smith. Those are 10 out of your 11 starters, or either first round picks or high price free agents. And so, uh, so it, it, I mean, from, from that standpoint, you have to like, when is enough enough? Like, you yeah. know, you can't just continually go to the well over and over and over again. And especially this year with Jordan Love being kind of in that transition, or the T being in a transition period. That we need some off we need some offensive weapons. We need some guys that can get open that are going to make Jordan Love's life easier as a starting quarterback. But it's just Goody has his way, and I just remember watching all of Ted Thompson's drafts and maybe wanting them to do one thing, and then having them always. He you you can't change your color. You can't you know a, a zebra can't change his stripes or yeah. you know whatever whatever the uh, whatever the analogy is. So um, I'm just. Uh, I think th- I think it's going to be Miles Murphy. I really do. Like, that's,
1: that's the guy. Yeah, I'm with you again. So I guess after ranting because I had to at this point about the defense and all that, it would be nice, obviously, if if Jackson Smith and Jig was there and they don't draft him, it will be like it would be very very difficult. I think more so than a lot of other years. There's not really that they don't. There hasn't been great receivers in my opinion that they've really passed up on. Usually they go before them. If he's there at fifteen and they don't don't draft him, I just think it's I just think it's a, it's a bad bad move. I think he's exactly what this offense needs in the slot. It's so clear to me, so obvious, but it's not going to happen. So <laughs> he's probably not going to be there at fifteen. And even if he is, like you said, I would bet money they pass on him because they just don't do it. Um, and I'm also going edge, but I'm not going Miles Murphy. I, I did consider him, and he's someone I very much like in this draft. But I just. I'm just fully in on Nolan Smith. I just think, okay. I just think he's their pick. I don't know if it's Georgia. I mean, to, I don't. I definitely try not to put that in too much, but I just between the, the athleticism and just the way he plays, I just personally, I just love the way he plays. I think he could definitely stand to put on a bit more muscle, but as he ages and gets into the league, I think he will. But yeah, looks like we're both on the same page. That edge is probably where I get, not probably, but whatever, probably where they're going to end up going. At least for what with the way we see it. But everyone, um, yeah, enjoy these last four, five, six days before the draft, potentially the last, you know, week where weekend where Aaron Rodgers is still on the roster of the Green Bay Packers. Something that personally makes me feel ill, but it is what it is.
2: Just think so- of it this way, Eli. Just uh just think of it, this is what we'll end with is uh the next time that we speak on this, the Packers will have already made their first second and third round draft picks it's uh it's it's crazy to think about that it's coming up that quickly
1: yeah wow it's true i kind of just thought first round but you're right it's going to be the first three rounds and it's going to be i mean the draft alone is wild enough add to it the fact that you're likely going to be trading the face of your franchise and in my opinion the greatest player in your franchise's history it's going to be an eventful eventful couple of days for sure so we're gonna be looking forward to seeing you right after that and before we head out Rob just tell everyone as we lead up to the draft where they can find all of your great content and where they can hear you wherever you're going to speak your knowledge
2: cool so so yeah so if you were listening in in uh, the Milwaukee area this week I appeared on ninety seven point three the game I am the I guess official uh, draft expert or analyst of the drew and kb show uh it's on every day from uh, three o'clock to six o'clock central uh i can be heard every day next week as well um i also write for cheesehead tv draft guide and i uh, cover the small school sleepers and the quarterbacks if you haven't picked that up it's great because it comes from the packer perspective and um and, and I, I post a lot of stuff on twitter so follow me if you don't at nfl draft Riggs, r-e-g-s
1: you heard it there. Make sure to the next few days before the draft, check Listen, make sure to listen to Rob on the radio over at 97.3. Follow him on Twitter. Make sure to, of course, follow Pack a Day podcast on Twitter. Subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. Leave a review, leave a comment. We want to know what, what you think about the shows. And of course, uh, you can find me on Twitter at Book of Eli underscore NFL. And uh, some of my draft writing will be over at PackerReport.com. But for everyone that tuned in today, we appreciate it. Enjoy your weekend. We'll see you next week. And as always, go Pack Go! go.